0: Shedding his blood for us. When I fear my faith will fail, Christ will. Thank mm-hmm. you. Steve. I felt far from above. I've been down to that river, and I ain't the same a prodigal. yesterday's gone all my sins are forgiven i've been washed by the blood i'm no stranger to the prison i've worn shackles and chains I've been freed and forgiven, I'm not going back, I'll never be the same. That's why I sing, all my hope is in Jesus, thank God that yesterday's gone. All my sins are forgiven. I've been washed by the blood. And there's a kind of thing that just breaks him in, break him down to his knees. God, I've been broken more than a time or two, yes, Lord. But he picked me up and showed me what it means to be a man. That's why I sing, all my hope is in Jesus. Thank God that yesterday's gone. And all my sins are forgiven I've been washed by the blood Washed by the
1: blood. Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Jay. If you're new here, I'm the director of worship for City Church. And if you're joining us online, we are glad you did. Uh, we begin every service with a call to worship. So would you stand with us? Our call to worship this morning is from 1 Peter chapter 1 uh, verses 3 through 6 1st peter 1 3 through 6 i would encourage you as you listen to these words i know sometimes it can be kind of difficult to enter into a into a service you know into a worship service you know it's maybe you had an active day yesterday or maybe you woke up not feeling you know ready to do this but i would pray and uh, i would encourage you to pray that god would open up your hearts that you would receive these words with fresh ears and that He would do a work in you this morning uh, to renew you, to refresh you, and that uh, His Spirit would do that. Listen to these words. Prepare your hearts this morning. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it's tested by fire, it may be found to result in praise and glory and honor At the revelation of Jesus Christ. Would you join me as I pray? Oh God, our Father, how great is your mercy that you would cause us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. God, in seasons of great distress, may we hold on to the hope that we have an inheritance. Not just any inheritance, but an inheritance that's imperishable, it's undefiled, it's unfading, it's kept in heaven for us. God, may we rejoice in these trials, in these various trials, knowing that, the, that through them, you are shaping us into your likeness. And then may our faith, God, result in praise and glory and honor of you, our God. Even this morning, as we are awaiting this inheritance, as we are holding on to this hope, may we worship you through the power of the Holy Spirit together. Would you revive our spirits during this time? We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's sing together. Jesus. see it you're working Even when I don't feel it you're working You never stop You never stop working You never stop You never stop
0: working Even when I, I don't see it, see it you're working Even when I don't feel it you're working You never stop You never stop working You never stop You never stop You are we maker, Miracle worker. Darkness, my God, that is who You are. You are way maker miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who You are. You are way maker miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my. That is who you are. One more time, Sing it out. You are way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God. That is who you are. that is who you are, that is who you are. 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 That is who you are, that is who you are, that is who you are.
1: We're going to be learning a new song this morning. We played it last week during the communion time. It's called Christ Our Hope in Life and Death. And I, uh, we're gonna. I'm gonna teach it to you, at least the chorus, anyway. And then we're gonna sing the song over the next couple weeks and learn it together as a church. It's a beautiful, beautiful song that redirects our hearts to where our hope should be placed. That our hope should be placed in Christ, and we can have confidence in that hope and in Christ. So I'm gonna teach you the. Um, I'm gonna teach you the chorus, and then we're gonna sing the rest of the song together. So this first time, I'm going to sing it, and then we're going to sing it together, okay? So it's, oh, sing hallelujah,
0: our hope springs eternal. Oh, sing hallelujah, now and
1: ever we confess Christ our hope in life and death. All right, would you sing with me? Sing that with me. Oh, sing hallelujah.
0: Our hope springs eternal. Oh, sing hallelujah. Now and ever we confess Christ our hope in life and death. Our role in life and death. Christ alone, Christ alone. What is our only confidence that our souls to Him belong? Who holds our days within His hand? What comes apart from His command? And what will keep us to the end, the love of Christ in which we stand? Sing that chorus. Oh, sing hallelujah, our hope springs eternal. What truth can calm the troubled soul? God is good, God is good. Where is his grace and goodness known? In our great redeemer's blood. Who holds our faith when fears arise? Who stands above the stormy trial? Who sends the waves that bring us nigh To the shore the rock of Christ? Oh, sing hallelujah Our hope streams eternal To the grave unto the grave, what will we sing? Christ he lives, Christ he lives, and what reward will heaven bring everlasting life with him there we will rise to meet the Lord in sin and death. When Christ is ours forevermore. Oh, Christ, hallelujah. Our hope springs eternal. Oh, sing hallelujah. Now and ever we confess. Christ, our hope in life. Start hope in life and death.
2: Good morning. Welcome to City Church. My name is Chipper. I'm one of the pastors here. We are a church aspiring to be an authentic community, walking with God in our city. Um, recently, some very well-meaning people have kind of inquired, what is the nature of your job? What do you do during the week? What do pastors do? Let me, just, let me just mention this um, by way of kind of getting you going this morning. And I'm serious about this. Our job, thinking at 35,000 feet, is to help you find your rest. In Jesus spiritually emotionally shoot even physically we're here to say don't find rest in anything other than Christ Jesus and so I hope that this service in this entire time would be very restful for you for hurting people uh, for disappointed and discouraged people for people who are sinful and in need a redemption May this entire morning be full of rest we would love to get to know you and we do that by uh, giving you a number of opportunities. Number one, as I say every week, come find me after the service. I'll be up here. I would love to have a conversation with you. I'd love to tell you more about our church, why we're in downtown. Uh, so take advantage of that, please. Number two, next Sunday, after both services, we are having uh, what we call here at City Church a taste and see um, coffee. So I at the conclusion, say you come to 9 a.m. service next week, we'll have a 15-minute time across the street. And there, there's some white tents, kind of catty corner across the street. Grab some coffee. We'll have some pastries out at those tents. People from our staff and our leadership team will be there. Um, so plan on coming, especially if you're new. Maybe you come a few weeks and you're kind of, what, what, what are we doing here in downtown? What are we all about? Come to those white tents next week. You can come to either service. We'll have that. So put that on your calendar or, or forg- forget about it entirely, and we'll remind you next week, and then you can come. We also put a connection card in your bulletin each week. We would encourage you to fill that out, especially with your prayer request. Uh, you can use the, the paper card or you can go to citychurchgmv.com connection. You see up there on the screen and fill it out on your phone. The main thing is the prayer request. Please fill that out, put your name on it. Or if you feel more comfortable making it anonymous, we just want to pray for you. So give us something. If you fill out that paper card, you can put it in the seat pocket in front of you. We pick those up after the service. you also see that card is a great way to indicate interest in the life of our church, uh, to ask us questions, to indicate, um, hey, I want to serve on a team. i want to get involved in a community group. That card will be a perfect resource. We worship a generous God. Part of our responsive worship as the people of God is giving generously. You can always give online, citychurchgnv.com slash give, or there's a brown box in the back of the sanctuary available for you. As well, speaking of our community groups, of course, they're up and running. There are nine of them. They meet throughout the week at different times in different places for two hours. Uh, They share a meal. We pray. We talk about the scripture passage we're preaching through on a weekly basis, and we think, okay, what does it mean to apply these to the rhythms of everyday life? We serve our city together. We support missionaries together. They do a lot. There's information on the hospitality table. You can chat with me. There's information in your bulletin. We encourage everybody in the life of our church to be involved in a community group. An alternative rhythm that we have going on, though, is something called Christianity Explored. This is on Wednesday evenings at 6.30. It's in the community room behind the lobby. So right now, Wednesday nights, 6:30 6:30 community group, uh, sorry, Christianity explored in the community room. This is for people who say, "You know what? Maybe a community group would be a good fit down the road, but right now I'd rather meet some new people and just kind of hear more about what it means to walk with Jesus. What are sort of the basics of Christianity? We go through the book of Mark. So that group that's meeting at 6:30, Wednesday nights, that's just new folks coming together to study the book of Mark a little bit. Very heavily discussion- based and wide open for everybody, as is all of our community groups. So we would point that to you Wednesday night. Also, tomorrow night, um, we are resuming, Lord willing, our class called the Biblical Theology of Marriage, which happens uh, here, right in this sanctuary space at 7 o'clock until about 8.45. This is an eight-week class exploring basically the theme of marriage and implications for marriage, singleness, gender, sexuality. We're going through, we're going for the whole thing here. Uh, tracing the theme of marriage from Genesis to Revelation, and then working out specific applications. Last week, just by way of kind of setting the the table here, was by far our most academic session. We were learning about what is biblical theology. What do we mean by that? And um, hopefully, for those of you who were here, that was helpful. I did have some people asking, you know, is this going to, or when are we going to get to like the application? Oh, it's coming. You're going to get so much application. Don't worry about that. Uh, So tomorrow, we're actually going to talk about the theme of marriage, and we're going to do kind of a test case of biblical theology from Genesis to Revelation, start to draw some applications, at least broad applications, and then the weeks after that, we're going to talk about uh, the purpose of marriage and singleness, and we're going to talk about the rhythms of marriage and singleness, so that's kind of the next two courses, or next two sessions after that. So just to get you an understanding of what's happening, Lord willing, tomorrow night, 7 o'clock to about 8.45, we would love... To see you there, and of course, our our Joshua studies that the women are doing are are continuing tomorrow night, 8 o'clock via Zoom, or Tuesday morning at 9.30 in person here at City Church. We are called City Church for a reason. We're, by the Lord's grace, um, involved in our city in a number of ways. One of those is by ministering to those who live in downtown that don't have homes. We have a street outreach team that goes out usually once a month and builds relationships with people like that. In our community uh, and they're doing one of those outreaches today at one o'clock so number one be praying for them as they go out there's a team of people who do this number two believe it or not if this is something that is interesting to you say i i actually might want to be a part of a team like that you could actually show up at our community room at one o'clock today and they're going to do like a 15 20 minute training and you could go with this team and see what they're doing and see what it's like and what it looks like for them to minister so if you're sitting here and thinking, yep. one o'clock. I would love to be there. Just come, and uh, you don't have to RSVP or anything. Show up at one o'clock in our community room, and then folks that lead that team will get you situated. Finally, we have the privilege of hearing uh, from two folks from Created, which is a ministry that we have been partnering with for a very long time here at City Church. Uh, Zach and Fraley are both on the Created staff, and they both go to our church, and they are here to tell you a lot more about what Created is, how you can be involved in that really fancy table that you guys set up in the back.
3: Yes, thank you. We ordered a new tablecloth for this event specifically. So thank you for noticing. Um, thank you guys for listening to us this morning. Um, my name is Fraley, and I work in marketing and awareness at Created, um, but I also have the pleasure to serve on some of our outreach teams. and. That's where a lot of the stories happen. Um, so that's when we kind of go out and meet women where they're at around um, the Gainesville community. Um, so one story in particular that I wanted to share with y'all is about a woman that we did a transport for from Gainesville to another program. So basically, what that means is, if we meet a woman and build a relationship with her, and she's ready to, you know, take ownership of her situation and um, kind of reclaim her life, and our program's not the best fit for her, then we will transport her to a place that is a better fit. And so what I mean by that is that our program right now isn't residential. So a lot of the women that we serve have their own homes, and they'll come do kind of out-of-house um, care and um, at our office. And so she did not have a home, and we had kind of met her over the years, and she'd been staying at Grace Marketplace or downtown, and so, we transported her to a place that did have a facility, and so we kind of got the chance to meet her on our drive to that facility and she just was really vulnerable with us about kind of how she had been in and out of different services um, throughout her entire life. So at thirteen, she ran away from home and had been in and out of um, you know troubled teen or troubled youth programs and would go to those for a month and then be dumped back out on the street with no home and so we were so encouraged when she finally reached out to us. We're like, this is going to be it. This is going to be different. And so three days later, her doctor um, informed us that she had decided to leave the program. And so yet again, she um, she was back out on the street. And this hopeful woman who had so much just joy, and she was just so encouraged, like lit on fire for healing. Um, she then was back onto the street. And so something that we reflected on after that is you know, what if we had a home for her like 10 years prior? What if she had found us 10 years prior and we had a home where she could come and be in community and have restorative care and have people that were praying over her and encouraging her? Um, Her situation might have been completely different. And so what we see a lot of times with a lot of these women is that their story involves a lifetime of cyclical services that just fail to give them the environment that they need to be empowered and to be, um, assess a lot of these like traumatic things that they've been through um, and so that's just one of the many stories that we encounter and um, now I'm gonna pass it to Zach to give you guys a little more practical info.
4: thanks really yeah so I'm Zach I'm the development director at created Gainesville and our mission statement is to reach and restore lives impacted by sex trafficking and sexual exploitation so the women we serve and see have usually come out of sex trafficking or been exploited sexually at some point in their lives or a lot happens, it can happen in foster care when you're bouncing around from home to home or system to system. And so we've really seen a need and we wanna meet that. And so with the need portion, in 2019, the US National Trafficking Hotline came out with their statistics and they said in 2019, 8,000 cases of sex trafficking were reported. 640 were in Florida. And those are just the ones of people calling into the hotline saying, hey, we need help. Can you do something and reporting those cases. And so with that number, just with what's reported through that organization, that's about two women a day with stories similar to what Fraley just shared. And so it created, we've been around since 2012, and we are offering these holistic services to help people get out of that life, see see the plan that the Lord has for them, and just be empowered to live a life of fullness and freedom and reclaim their lives in this community, in their city, in their state, and live and empower the next generation. And so our response to kind of those needs and seeing like, man, there's a huge need for it. There's not a lot of safe homes. There's not a lot of beds. I think there's about 10% um, of beds in the country for women of trafficking coming out of trafficking or cases of trafficking. And so we're like, we need to be a part of this. And so uh, we've been building up to it and we're hoping to open a home. We're like this close. And so look for an announcement. But we're hoping to open our first safe home. And it's the first safe home in North Central Florida. So we're serving about... think over 10 counties, and we're the only kind of program that does this, serving these women in our county, in our, like, north central Florida. And so with that, how you can get involved is, one, financially. I don't know if anyone here owns a home, I'm guessing a few of you do, Um, but it costs a lot just to, like, pay your mortgage, and the utilities, and the lawn care, and then the food for your kids, and just furniture, clothing, all the shelter needs. That's a lot. We're gonna provide that program free of charge for women coming out of this. And so we're raising funds. The Lord has blessed us a lot and we have the funds to secure home now and are in the process of opening it to provide that program for women that they haven't had before. Um, And so one of those needs is financial. You can partner with us financially. Um, That's just what we do to to keep our doors open to run a program that like we need finances. So you can partner with us in our monthly giving team um, or just through one-time donations. Another thing is outreaches. We really need volunteers to come with us out onto the streets, to the jail, to the strip club. We're hoping to start going to massage parlors to so just meet women where they're at in places, vulnerable places, and care for them, and love them, and say, hey, there is a better way. You don't have to be stuck in this system of essentially slavery where you're working and you're not getting that money or you're being trapped um, through coercion to do a job or to perform you know, sexual acts. For money for someone else who's keeping you in that and there's not really good ways out Um, and so we want to like have volunteers that can just come and meet those people um, and hopefully they can get involved in our program and so come volunteer with us we need that you can sponsor some of our meetings for food or meals for these women um, and just come hang with them and meet with them Um, but then the third way is we and we're growing this we really want to empower all of you in your spheres if this is an issue you care about we want to go hey if you're a teacher um, how can we help empower you? And we know in, in Alachua County, I think there's modules that teachers typically have to give for trafficking to their students, come talk to us to learn some more. If you're a lawyer, you're probably having cases come across your desk of women, and you can't always see the signs, but we can help equip you see the signs of like, hey, is this a trafficking case, or is this just a criminal kind of thing, and so that's how it's been labeled a lot, but a lot of times it's seeing the story behind it of what's actually going on behind the scenes. If you're a doctor, hey, we provide a lot of just healthcare services for the women, um, and we partner with a lot of doctors and counselors who do that for us and can provide that. Um, I mean, if you're a student, and it's happening at UF and around the country, I know there's a an email that just got sent out a few weeks ago of an assault that happened. Those things aren't like uncommon, and it's happening in cases of trafficking are happening in our city, on our streets, in our community. And it's just opened my eyes a lot working with creative to the fact that that's happening. So we want to equip and empower you wherever you are to go and do that. And we care, we want to be like a hub at creative. We're going to care for the women. We're going to provide these services, but come talk with us and see how can we critically think about getting you engaged in that sphere being an advocate where you are with the tools you have in your places of work and worship and play. To help make a difference because we know at created hey we're going to keep opening homes that's our goal we want to have the funds to open one home two homes three homes to provide care for women coming out of trafficking but it's never going to be enough the only thing that will end this is if we break that cycle of trafficking if we rewrite that narrative as a community as a city as a state as a country rewrite that narrative of trafficking and sexual exploitation And break that cycle so that one day we don't have to have a home. Um, And that's the goal. And it's an issue. And we would just love to talk with you and hear your thoughts. And um, we'll be at a table in the back. So come reach out to us. Thanks.
3: I know this is really dense. So thank you for tuning in and listening. And we would love to just kind of break it down for you in the back. So even if you don't even know anything, just please come talk to us. Um, Yeah, thank you.
5: juggle all my things here, mask on, glasses, mask off, glasses on, mic on, there we go. Uh, hey guys, uh, I am Ryan, one of the pastors here, and it's great to uh, get to worship with you this morning and to get to uh, share God's word with you. Um, I'm going to pray for created, thank you Zach and Fraley for uh, coming in and sharing, and Moses could we get the clock up on the, no. the projector, nope, all right. All right, Someone just shout at me when it's time to stop. We'll <clears throat> um, be like five minutes in. You guys will be like, time? Uh, <clears throat> uh, so anyways, we're going to pray for Zach and Fraley. Um, thank you guys for coming and sharing. We're going to read uh, our passage this morning, and then we'll pray together. So we are going through 2 Corinthians. We are in the second half of the first chapter. So if you have your Bible with you, I encourage you to open up, follow along, or you can follow along on the screen. Up here. So we'll start in verse 12 of chapter 1. And this is the the Apostle Paul writing For our boast is this, the testimony of our conscience, that we behaved in the world with simplicity and godly sincerity, not by earthly wisdom, but by the grace of God, and supremely so toward you. For we are not writing to you anything other than what you read and understand. And I hope you will fully understand, just as you did partially understand us, that on the day of our Lord Jesus, you will boast of us as we will boast of you. Because I was sure of this, I wanted to come to you first so that you might have a second experience of grace. I wanted to visit you on my way to Macedonia and to come back to you from Macedonia and have you send me on my way to Judea. Judea, uh, Was I vacillating When I wanted to do this, do I make my plans according to the flesh, ready to say yes, yes, and no, no at the same time? As surely as God is faithful, our word to you has not been yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we proclaimed among you, uh, Silvanus or Silas and Timothy and I, was not yes and no, but in him it is always yes. For all the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory, and it is God who establishes us with you in Christ, and has anointed us, and who has put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. But I call God to witness against me. It was to spare you that I refrained from coming again to Corinth, not that we lord it over your faith. But we work with you for your joy, for you stand firm in your faith. For I made up my mind not to make another painful visit to you. For if I cause you pain, who is there to make me glad but the one whom I have pained? And I wrote as I did, so that when I came, I might not suffer pain from those who should have made me rejoice. For I felt sure of all of you that my joy would be the joy of you all. For I wrote to you out of much affliction and anguish of heart and with many tears, not to cause you pain, but to let you know the abundant love that I have for you. Let's pray together. Father, we want to start by um, thanking you for this time to worship, thanking you uh, for this ministry that we got to hear from, uh, from Zach and Fraley. Thank you for the work that Created is doing in this county and around North Florida to care for women who have been victims, have been stuck in in the the trap of sexual exploitation and trafficking. And Lord, uh, we know that your heart is to care for the vulnerable, uh, the marginalized, those who are exploited, and to bring freedom where there is bondage. And so God, we want to pray a blessing on their ministry. That you would bring, uh, that you would use them to bring tremendous freedom and life in Christ to the women that they minister to. Pray for the needs that they've listed here for funds, for for volunteers, um, for partners and advocates in this community. Lord, would you provide for all of those needs? And uh, Lord, I thank you that we get to open your Word and hear from you and worship you this morning. And God, I just pray that you would help. Would you help in my weakness and feebleness, Lord? Would your, would your word be lifted high? Would Jesus be made much of? Would your spirit come and move in our hearts, move in our midst this morning, and give us faith, give us boldness, give us courage to embody some of the example that we see in the Apostle Paul's ministry here? Give us uh, eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts that are receptive and that believe you and that walk in faith and obedience. We pray all this in the name of Jesus, amen. Well, often, not universally, but generally, we, uh, we think of love in positive terms, right? Affirmation, support, encouragement, presence, etc. Uh, This is especially true in modern Western secular societies. You know, when it comes to matters of belief or, or culture or lifestyle or behavior, we equate love with affirmation and acceptance of any choice or value or behavior as long as it's not hurting anybody else, right? But we don't have to think long before we realize how kind of insufficient this view of love really is. And I tell you, being a parent of small children is quite illuminating in this regard. Uh, So whether it is manifest in the desire to eat a a strict candy-only diet, uh, or their curiosity for climbing the highest piece of furniture, or their penchant for discovering the drawer with the sharp knives, kids are impressively drawn to injurious and life-threatening scenarios on a nearly daily basis. Uh, A mere 30 seconds of a parent stepping away to go to the bathroom or, you know, take care of some task is generally adequate time for a kid to discover some new death-defying stunt, like swinging from couch to couch via the window curtains or escaping through an unlocked door to make their way down the street in search of unknown wonders. Uh, Of course, as we grow up, we get wiser, we get more understanding, we get you know more knowledgeable about these sorts of things. And so we graduate from that to jumping out of airplanes with parachutes and riding on questionable rides at the fair. And all of this uh, comically helps us to see that love must be more than affirmation. It also involves guiding, protecting, and at times correcting. For others' good. And likewise, it means being receptive to guidance and protection and correction for our own good. And this letter from Paul, as well as his relationship with the Corinthians in general, is a model for how to address interpersonal conflict and to correct behavior from a biblical framework. It's a framework of real love, real love, thorough love, full love. And I think what we see here is that real love requires sincere, steadfast, and sacrificial care for another's well-being. So while it's not exhaustive, I think these three qualities of real love are essential if we are to address conflict or to to confront a problem in a way that promotes restoration and reconciliation. So we're going to look at those this morning. First, we'll start with uh, sincerity sincerity. This letter came on the heels of some pretty serious relational turmoil. As Chipper mentioned last week, this is the fourth of four letters that Paul wrote to the Corinthians. And this letter comes after Paul has visited the city twice, and after he's written, of course, three other letters, the last of which was apparently a severe and necessary admonishment, which we're going to discuss a little more shortly. Through all of this, Paul received substantial criticism from some within the church who felt it was unbecoming of a, an apostle to experience hardship like he had. Uh, and they were also critical that he wasn't as dynamic of a speaker, you know, as some of the other people in the, in the city were. To make matters worse, Paul was also being undermined and disparaged by some interlopers, the, the so-called super apostles that show up later in the book. So he's the, he was the recipient of false accusations unfair criticisms, and a general lack of charity from at least a few people in whom he had invested significant time and then some people who had just come along into the, into the scene. When we experience situations like this, how do we tend to respond? Have you ever experienced something like that? Well, three ways come to mind to me of ways that we tend to deal with Interpersonal conflict like this or problematic behavior. There's three that come up. The first uh, is passivity. We avoid the problem. That is, we we stuff it down, we ignore it, we let it fester into bitterness and resentment. We don't go and talk to the person, we just kind of stuff it. The second uh, is duplicity. That is, we avoid the person. We bottle up frustration, and we alleviate the tension by venting to others or processing or, giving or asking for prayer requests, which is really just backbiting and gossip. This is one, I think, that Southerners are prone to. And then finally is passivity, duplicity, and then there's hostility. So we don't avoid the problem. We don't avoid the person. We attack the person. You know, we go, we go after them with 100%. Uh, we get triggered by something, we, we blow up in anger, and we take out our outrage with this kind of personal destruction and this vendetta uh, to set the, the record straight, right? But the biblical way, the way of Jesus, the way that Paul models here, the way of real love is not passivity, it's not duplicity, it's not hostility, but is instead sincerity, Paul counters his critics with his record. He points the ways that he has, he has been uh, dear to them. And he says that, uh, th- he says, with them and throughout his ministry has been one of simplicity and godly sincerity, not by earthly wisdom, but by the grace of God and supremely so toward you. So he has not operated based off of Worldly wisdom, but the wisdom given to him by the grace of God. He sought to relate to them with honesty and with integrity, to be forthright and forthcoming regarding anything, whether it's his own weakness or theirs. And he even says that he boasts in this, which is a key theme that comes up in this book over and over and over again. Something like half of the appearances of the word boast in the New Testament show up in this book. Uh, it's this deliberately kind of ironic foil to his critics because while his critics were boasting of their insight and their rhetorical skill and their power and all of that, Paul, Paul's boast was a clear conscience and a sincere care for the spiritual well-being of these people. And even here, in response to all the ways they have wronged him, Paul continues with this other-oriented motivation what we see is that having an attitude of sincere care f- for the well-being of others is essential to embodying and expressing real love. Tim Chester writes uh, in his book, A Meal with Jesus, a book all about hospitality, fascinating book. Uh, I encourage you to read that a book about all the ways that uh, you see meals and hospitality show up in the New Testament. Uh, but he shares a story uh, about uh, Jim Peterson, who tells the story of Maria, who's a friend from South Africa, with whom he had studied the Bible for four years before Mario became a Christian. Uh, the Bible studies reflected the fact that Mario was a, a Marxist intellectual who'd read all the leading Western philosophers. And a couple years after his conversion, Jim and Mario were reminiscing, and they said, "Do you remember what it really was that made me decide to become a Christian?" he asked him. Peterson thought of all the Bible studies and the philosophical discussions, and Murillo's reply took him by surprise. He said, remember that first time I stopped by your house? We were on the way someplace together, and I had a bowl of soup with you and your family, and as I sat there observing you, your wife, and your children, and how you related to each other, I asked myself, when will I have a relationship like this with my fiancé? And when I realized that the answer was never... I concluded I had to become a Christian for the sake of my own survival. Peterson said he did remember the occasion. He remembered his children behaving badly and his frustration at having to correct them in front of Murillo. Uh, yet Mario saw the grace of Christ binding that family together. And years later, Peterson would comment on the, uh, this incident. And he said, we tend to see the weakness and incongruities in our lives, and our reaction is to recoil at the thought of letting outsiders get close enough to see us as we really are. Even if our assessment is accurate, it's my observation that any Christian who is sincerely seeking to walk with God in spite of all his flaws is reflecting something of Christ. What we see there is sincere love for others, Is the heart of a relationship that can minister to others with integrity and honesty, even if very imperfectly? Do we embody this kind of sincere care for others in all that we do? Do we extend that kind of genuine care to others? If we are to be a friend who can build up others, that's essential essential. So a uh, second essential quality of real love is steadfastness. Steadfastness. Uh, one accusation that was lobbed at Paul was that he had been unreliable. So because he had changed his travel plans and didn't visit as he previously said he would, when he said he would, his critics charged him with being fickle and capricious and therefore untrustworthy, right? Uh, and Paul responded again by pointing to his record with them. He said that he had been faithful in his ministry to them, he had been faithful to bring the gospel to them, he had been faithful to care for them. And he affirms that just as his preached word to them was faithful, so his personal word to them about his travels was also faithful. Not only that, he grounds his personal record in a theological reality, the faithfulness of God. He doesn't vacillate from yes and no in his word any more than Jesus Christ, the Son of God, moves from yes to no. But Jesus is yes and amen, the fulfillment of all of God's promises and the greatest demonstration of God's faithfulness. Therefore, why would the messenger sent by God be fickle with them? He's pointing out that they badly misjudged him. Uh, Sadly, the attitude of his opponents wasn't unique to ancient history, right? Though we ascribe the mantra, innocent till proven guilty, how often do we operate on just the opposite assumption? How often do misunderstandings or miscommunication manifest in misgivings about perceived slights, personal distrust? How frequently do we assume the worst instead of the best or assume an ill motive rather than give the benefit of the doubt in a situation? How grievously do we wound our friends and ourselves when we do this? Unfortunately, this conflict was a display of an all too common human tendency, one that traces its roots all the way back to the Garden of Eden, that is infidelity with God and others. But despite that horrid procliv- proclivity, we have received an unbelievable, unimaginable gift and promise. Paul recounts that it is God who has established us with you in Christ. In other words, we are now forgiven, regenerated, and transformed in Jesus and the recipients of all his benefits. And we receive that together as brothers and sisters join together in a new family. And we do so because of God's work, because of his initiative. And what is our confidence in all of this? What's the evidence for it? He says, God has anointed us and has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. God has covered, sealed, and filled us with his very self, his name, his presence, his power. And that presence is our guarantee, a deposit of a God who is faithful. Though we have been unfaithful to God since the beginning of creation, he has been faithful to us. And he has on his own accord and his own volition sought to save us at cost to himself. And he's given us his presence to guarantee it. The connection that Paul wants us to make here is that real love, that Christian love, is filled with faithfulness and trustworthiness and loyalty because it is rooted in a faithful Trustworthy and loyal God. I shared this illustration a few years ago, but it's one that really resonates with me and I hope with you. Um, E60, which is ESPN's news magazine show, ran a two part segment on Ernie Johnson, one of the uh, anchors of TNT's Inside the NBA show. You know, he's like the straight man to Charles Barkley <laughs> uh, there. And The special covered uh, the whole life of Ernie, from his personal career in sports broadcasting to to his relationship with his father, who was also a famous broadcaster, to his family and his faith as well. And they interviewed Ernie's colleagues who talked about how hardworking he was and yet how kind he was, how compassionate he was uh, and is. And Charles Barkley said, Ernie Johnson is the nicest guy in the world. But the stuff he's taken on in his personal life is why we all respect him so much. Uh, Ernie's, th- this is the intro to the story. It says, Ernie's is a, a story that begins when the lights go down, a story of fathers and sons. Ernie says, There's nothing better a dad can do than bless his son. they are going to be these mountaintops and they are going to be these valleys. It's all part of my story. Ernie and his wife, uh, Cheryl, have six children. Four are adopted including Michael, and he's, he was brought home from an orphanage in Romania. He had digestive issues, he couldn't speak, he had behaviors like those of a severely autistic child. He didn't speak his first words until he was eight years old. Additionally, Michael was diagnosed with Duchenne uh, muscular dystrophy. His prognosis was that he might live into his late teens and Ernie said this when you watch him uh, go up from where he can't grow up from where he can't walk to falling down to then breaking things breaking an arm or breaking a hip and then being in the wheelchair and then where he can't move his arm or move his wheelchair it gets to where it's pretty tough and now while he's st- while he can still speak he needs to be attached to a ventilator at all times and so they highlighted one day in Ernie's life where he was at work covering a game until midnight or so, and then he was up early the next morning uh, to get ready for a big day with his son who's going to do one of Michael's favorite things, which was to see cars at a car show. He loves to go see cars. And so while Ernie was getting Michael ready, they just kept saying back and forth to each other, I love you son, and I love you daddy. And Ernie said, he is perfectly and wonderfully made. Sometimes our expectations get so high or our desires get so high for the next this or that, you just give him a car magazine or laminate a picture for him and it's like he's hit the lottery, you know? He's whole. Um, Ernie loves his son tremendously. And I think the reason that picture is so powerful for us is It is a picture of the remarkable love of God for us as well as the love that we are called to share to others. Such faithfulness, such care, such compassion overflows from a heart that's transformed by the love and care of God. Though undeserved, God has been faithful to us. Should that not then shape how we are faithful to one another, being present through joys and difficulties, being attentive to needs, speaking the words of life regularly, consistently. Such regular care builds up a foundation of trustworthiness. And that trustworthiness is the currency to speak into another's life for their good, to encourage, to build up, and to admonish when necessary. Without that kind of faithfulness in a relationship, we never have a standing to really go deep with others in all kinds of situations, times of joy and celebration, times of grief and remorse, times of personal growth, and times of character development. So real love involves sincerity, involves steadfastness, and finally, involves sacrifice. Caring holistically for another's well-being ultimately requires tremendous emotional, mental relational and physical sacrifice of us look at the example that Paul set for us in this fight for the relationship with the Corinthians when Timothy returned from Corinth after delivering the, the letter of first Corinthians he evidently reported that the people Paul had corrected uh, about idolatry and sexual immorality and other matters in the first letter were resistant to this admission you know it 's hard to believe that but the problems were bad enough that Paul felt compelled to make an emergency trip to the city and to talk with these people about those things. So Paul arrives and he gets accosted and rejected by some of these individuals. And the church that he had been investing in apparently didn't come to his defense. So Paul left the city humiliated. Afterwards Paul penned the third letter, the one that we've lost now, but where he apparently warned them sternly and called the church to repentance and obedience. This is a letter that he sent with Titus and for which he anxiously kind of waited on this response. And then when Titus met him in Macedonia with a report that the people responded positively, Paul wrote this final letter. That's all the background to all of this. So you think Paul faced false accusations. He, he faced attacks on his competency and his character. He faced public humiliation Uh, rejection from people he loved, not to mention the undermining of his life's work, which was planning churches and proclaiming the gospel. And we see in this final section of this passage a mental journey through Paul's response to this whole ordeal from which we we glean some principles about conflict mediation, if you will. Uh, The first is that loving correction requires a sacrifice of restraint. Paul opted to write a letter, rather than visit in person, he says, in order to spare them a painful visit. The responsibility to lovingly correct someone requires discernment and self-control. It requires thoughtful consideration about not only what would be most effective, but what would be for the best of your brother or sister in Christ. We need to always think in terms of what is most helpful for others, especially when considering something as sensitive as correction. The second is that loving correction requires the sacrifice of time and energy. Paul invested a great deal of time, thought, relational capital, and more in the Corinthians. He changed his plans, not because it was expedient or it was easy, but because it was for their best. We must not underestimate how much sharing loving correction with someone is going to cost us. Unless we first consider how we will help be a part of a solution in a friend's life, we've not adequately weighed the costs. Pointing out error without being willing to help is not loving corre- correction. It's just criticism, right? A good coach doesn't just show his teams the mistakes they made in the game. He shows them how to fix them, and he gets out on the field with them to teach them. How much more so a brother or sister in Christ. Third is loving correction involves the sacrifice of speaking up. Paul stepped into the uncomfortable conversations and risked his relationships in order to see the Corinthians grow in Christ. Now, we are the beneficiaries of that hard-fought ministry thousands of years later. Think about it. We wouldn't have the beautiful and encouraging passages that we get in 2 Corinthians had Paul not had the courage to step into those hard conversations. Eventually, correction requires saying something and risking something. In a world that's filled with falsehood, we desperately need to hear truth. That's why Paul writes, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. We need friends who will remind us what is noble, what is right, what is pure, what is lovely, what is admirable, what is true. We need friends who will point out when we're deviating from those. And we need to be friends who will do the same, who are willing to speak up, even though it may be painful. Finally, loving correction involves the sacrifice of enduring anguish. Paul mentions that uh, he wrote his prior letter with anguish and with tears. These weren't tears for himself, before his hearers. He was heartbroken for them. Giving loving correction comes with the possibility that you will experience anguish. It may be anguish over your friend's soul. It may be grief over the possibility of, or the reality even, of rejection. I don't know if you've ever been there. I have definitely been there. But the path of growth and the path of pain are often the very same one. If we want to grow and help others to grow, we must be prepared to experience anguish. There's a tremendous cost to embodying this kind of real love. And the question is, is it really worth it? Is it worth it? Well, I think we need to look no further than the cross of Christ to find the answer. There we see God's unfathomable love on display and the cost that he was willing to pay to not only show us our sin, but to save us from it. The foundation of our faith as Christians is that there is no price too high nor cost too great to sanctify our lives to God, not even the life of God's own son. Real love is sincere, real love is steadfast, real love is sacrificial, and there's no greater, truer, or deeper love than that of Christ. So let us look to him in faith and obedience. Speak, O Lord, and renew our minds. Help us grasp the heights of your plans for us, truths unchanged from the dawn of time that will echo down through eternity and by grace we'll stand on your promises, and by faith we'll walk as you walk with us. Speak, O Lord, till your church is built, and the earth is filled with your glory. Praise God that we have a God who speaks to us. Amen. Each week we celebrate the Lord's Supper. It's a way for us to actively remember the cost of of our salvation through Christ, his body broken, his blood poured out for our forgiveness. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he had a meal with his disciples and during that meal, he took the bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body that is broken for you. Whenever you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Later on during the meal, he took the cup And he poured it, and he said, this is the new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink this, do this in remembrance of me. The Apostle Paul says that as often as we eat this bread and we drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So we remember Christ's body broken for us, his blood poured out for us. We put our trust in him now, and we look ahead to the day when we'll be joined with him for all eternity perfect in his sight a few words of instruction before we turn to the table Um, we'll have a moment of silence after this and then the band will come up and play some more uh, worship music you're invited to we we encourage you just to use that time to reflect and then there'll be an elder deacon here and here uh, serving communion kits uh, little packets and so encourage you to take some time to reflect and then to come up whenever you would like to, we don't dismiss by rows or anything like that. This is open to anyone who's a follower of Jesus. So if you trust in the Lord, you follow him, you're welcome to come and participate in this. Um, if you're here this morning and you would say that doesn't describe you, we're just thrilled you're spending your Sunday morning with us. I encourage you to take this time to think about these things and consider if you'd like to follow Christ. And if so, we would love to talk with you. So please come and grab me, grab Chipper or one of our elders uh, after the service. We'd, we'd love to talk more with you. Um, also if you would like prayer I believe an elder or deacon will be available in the lobby after communion so feel free to go and grab whoever was up here go and grab them out in the lobby and they'd be glad to pray with you okay let's pray together Father thank you that uh, you have loved us so much there's no there's no price too great no cost too great for uh, our salvation not even uh, the cost of Christ's life, his body and blood broken and shed for us. Thank you, Lord, that you did not leave us as we were, but you came to speak truth and life to us and that we have that in Jesus. I pray this morning, help us in our place of struggle, where we're forgetful, where we wander. Um, Lord, help us in our unbelief. Draw us to yourself. Give us faith to trust you. We love you, Lord, and pray all this in Jesus' name.
0: me out of darkness you have filled me yesterday
1: With sing with us. Stand sing with us.
0: love would taste the sting disfigured and disdain. On Friday a thief on Sunday a king laid down in grief but woke with the keys of hell on that day Firstborn of the slain the man Jesus Christ laid death his grave, oh. oh. oh.
2: wonderful seeing you. hope we get a chance to meet a few of you after the service. I hope we see some of you even tomorrow night in the same place at 7 o'clock. Hear this benediction and then we'll sing the doxology together. This is God's benediction to you. First Thessalonians chapter 5. Now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Amen.